Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio with author, speaker, and your host, Pat Rulo. Finally, someone willing and able to blow the top off hidden healthcare and hospital dangers. She's provocative, upbeat, balanced, fearless, fresh. Pat has over 20 years of experience as a professional public speaker and knows how to approach this important subject with enough humor and wit to keep you informed, entertained, and empowered. Each week, you will say, oh, as Pat explores and exposes little-known hospital hazards, delves into the deep waters of dangerous healthcare practices, picks the brains of her good-looking and influential guests to help keep you and your family safe in today's fragmented healthcare system. The program is not intended to replace medical advice from a licensed professional, but rather to encourage you to become a well-informed participant in your health and well-being. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Hello, I'm Pat Rulo, your hostess and your weekly radio friend, and I'm always thrilled that you join us and love this program as much as I do. I received a phone call this weekend from a gentleman in Arizona who had a surprise emergency room and subsequent hospital visit. He called to thank me for writing the book because he said it gave him the mental ability to speak up. He reminded his providers to wash their hands. He asked for blood test results and asked again even when he was told that he couldn't have them. He asked the nurse to clean his TV remote. He said that he was an e-patient, empowered, educated, and eager to get out alive. Well, that made me feel good, and I get phone calls, letters, and emails similar to that all the time. So just by listening to this program, you were also an e-patient, empowered, educated, and hopefully eager to learn more. And that you will, because today we have a high-powered guest with us, the doctor who coined the term hospitalist. So, after my hazard of the week, Dr. Robert Wachter will join us. So, you know the drill. Find a comfy, cozy seat. Prop up your feet. 
turn off all buzzing and ringing devices, and enjoy your time with us. So let's get started, because right now, it's time for the Healthcare Hazard of the Week. Surviving the Pharmaceutical Patent Cliff. We've all heard of the ominous fiscal cliff, but do you know about the drug patent cliff? Many drugs on the market today are available in both name brand and generic versions. When a pharmaceutical company develops a drug, it applies for a patent on the drug's specific formula. These patents last 17 to 20 years. During this period, the company that developed the drug owns all the rights to that drug. Only that one company is allowed to manufacture, market, and sell the drug. This patent protection is important for the pharmaceutical companies, which spend billions of dollars to develop, test, and advertise the new drug because this patent period gives them time to recoup their investment and ultimately make a profit. Drugs sold during the patent protected period are only available as name brand versions. And just by the way, brand names have nothing to do with the actual name of the drug. Generic drugs, however, are called by the actual drug name. For example, the name brand Coreg, which is a common hypertension drug known as a beta blocker, is also available in generic form as Carvedilol. What happens when the patent ends? When a drug patent's protection ends, the formula of the drug becomes a matter of public record and other companies are allowed to manufacture the drug. These drugs, which are called by their generic name, are typically much cheaper because the companies making them don't have to recoup any research and development costs. That was already done by the brand name company. Usually, the company that originally developed the drug will continue to produce and market its name brand version even after generic versions become available. Sometimes, the original company actually sells the drug under both the brand and the generic names. Sometimes, companies that begin making a drug after the patent has expired will actually give the drug a new brand name and market it that way. So you could see how confusing this can be to a consumer. By law, generic drugs must contain the same active ingredients as the brand name versions. They must be what's called bioequivalent. A 3.125 milligram pill of Carvedilol contains 3.125 milligrams of the active ingredient Coreg and vice versa. In this way, Generic and name brand drugs are exactly the same. The law does not specify much else about the formulation of generic drugs, such as the inactive ingredients. The inactive ingredients are usually things like coloring agents, stabilizers, and binders. These ingredients are used to create the pill size, color, and properties like how fast it dissolves in the stomach. These inactive ingredients usually vary from manufacturer to manufacturer. And because they are inactive, these extra ingredients don't have any effect on the actual drug component of the pill, but remember, it is possible to have an allergic reaction or sensitivity to one of those ingredients. And here's another kink. Many generic drugs are manufactured in other countries. And we've heard horror stories about our own FDA not having the ability to monitor the quality of drugs produced in the United States. They therefore cannot be expected to do a good job of regulating the manufacturers overseas. Also, thanks to the 1984 Hatch-Waxman Act, generic drugs do not need to prove their safety and efficiency because they are bioequivalent to the brand name and already under the scrutiny of the FDA. Under the bill, 
Generic drug manufacturers need only submit an abbreviated and new drug application to prove their products bioequivalence to the original branded drug. This is a cheaper process for manufacturers, which then allow the savings to be passed on to consumers. However, the Obama administration's new efforts is aimed at thwarting this precedent. The FDA has issued a new regulation that could open generic drug makers to the same sort of product liability suits that plague branded pharmaceutical companies. And some say that this new rule will, will jeopardize the business model that has given the United States the world's most vibrant and low-cost market for generic medications. We have to decide if we want generic drugs that are cheap and a business that's highly competitive, or if we want the cost of litigation to be added to the generic drug prices. Another interesting twist. So let's get back to the cliff. Let's take a moment and look at some of the drugs that have recently lost their patent and those that are losing their patent in 2014. Some of the biggest drugs in history lost their patent protection in 2011 and 2012. Drugs like Lipitor, Plavix, Ritalin, and Viagra. 2013 said bye-bye to Oxycontin, and here's a few that are falling off the patent cliff this year. And before I name them, as I perused this list, I noticed that last year seemed to me to be a landmark year in direct-to-consumer television ads for these drugs, perhaps as a last effort to increase sales. Well, the first one is no stranger to fall off the cliff this year. It is Nexium, everyone's favorite purple pill for the treatment of acid reflux or GERD. Cymbalta is for the treatment of depression. Celebrex is for the treatment of osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis, Symbiocort for asthma and COPD, Lunesta, the floating green butterfly, a treatment for insomnia, Restasis for increasing tear production in patients with chronic dry eyes, Avista for treating and preventing osteoporosis, and several others. So, what does this mean for you? Whenever you are prescribed a medication by your health care provider, stop the rushed and hurried monologue and ask questions. Ask about the name of the drug. Is it called by another name? Should you take the brand name or the generic? What does it do? What are the side effects? When and what time of the day should you take it? How should you take it? For how long should you take it? What happens if you miss a dose? And anything else that concerns you. Now here's a few more tips for going generic. If any of the drugs that I mentioned previously are drugs that you're currently taking and are going to lose their patent this year, you may decide to go generic. What you need to do is find out if an authorized generic exists for your drug. These are generics made by the same manufacturer of the brand name medication but sold under a generic brand name. They are not similar to the brand name drug. They are identical to it. They just have a different imprint on them. Ask your pharmacist if one exists for your medications. Next, identify the manufacturer for generic drugs. Not all generics behave the same way. If your generic is working, you should request the same manufacturer each time you refill that prescription, and you can find the name, or sometimes an abbreviation, on the bottle. You have a right to know this. Ask your pharmacist to tell you and keep a note of that with your medication logs that I know you have because you listen to this program. Next, when switching to a generic, monitor your condition carefully. Note any changes you feel and tell your doctor immediately. It could be a difference in the medication causing the changes in you. And if you wanna know more about the specific drug you take, such as finding out the active ingredients, 
who holds the patent and so on, I have a great reference on our website under the free stuff link on the right hand side of the page. It's called The Orange Book and you can find that at speakupandstayalive.com. So there you have it, a mini course on how to survive the pharmaceutical patent cliff. As with all cliffs, look before you leap. with that, let's hear some legal news you can use. Let's spend the next two minutes with our friends at Schraff and King. They always have the answers. Well, David, Emily and Elyria wrote, can I still make my own health care decisions once I have created an advanced directive? Absolutely. When a health care directive is executed while it goes into effect immediately, the individual signing that directive retains control over their own health care decisions. The document is intended to enable an agent to make decisions when and only when the individual signing it is not able to make those decisions for themselves. So as long as the individual can and is able to make their own decisions, they will still do so. Oh, thanks for that great advice today, David. We appreciate your help. And if our listeners have more questions, where can they find you? We can be reached by telephone at 440-585-1600 on our website at www.trafking.com or you can email us with some general inquiries at info at trafking.com. Great advice. Thank you for taking the time to help us today. You're welcome, Pat. If you have not taken care of your advanced directives, write this number down and get it done today. Schraff and King. Give them a call at 216-585-1600. They're conveniently located on Psalm Center Road in Willoughby Hills, just south of Route 6. Or you can always visit them online at schraffking.com. been a good friend, and that's in the thick and thin, and I know it's never gonna end, cause you've been a good friend. Seniors often have difficulty expressing their needs, desires, and preferences, so they must have someone advocate for them, and who is more qualified for that than their family. Listen as I spend the next two minutes with my friend Jack Warren, from Comfort Keepers. Jack, you have a very cool and free brochure that our listeners should have. Tell us about that. Absolutely. We have a brochure called 20 Questions to Ask Before Hiring a Home Care Agency. And in this brochure, we have a list of, obviously, 20 questions. Things like, does your agency carry liability coverage? Do you provide 24-7 telephone service? We give you our answers in the column and encourage you to shop other agencies to find out what their answers are as well. So if you would like one of these 20 questions brochures, we'd be happy to send you one free of charge. Please give us a call at our toll-free number, 866-942-1960, and we'll make sure we get one of these in the mail to you right away. 
Well, thanks for joining us today, Jack. We look forward to your weekly advice. Thanks, Pat. I encourage you to call my friends right here in the Cleveland area, Jack and Bonnie Warren. For more information or to schedule a free in-home consultation, call them toll-free, 866-942-1960. That's 866-942-1960. Or you can visit them online at comfortkeepers.com. And be sure to let them know that I sent you Comfort Keepers, keeping the comforts of home. You're listening to Speak Up and Stay Alive, Patient Safety Radio. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo, always bringing you the best of the best when it comes to our guests. And today is like that final cherry on top. We have Dr. Robert Wachter with us, and he is Professor and Associate Chair of the Department of Medicine at the University of California, San Francisco, where he directs the 60 Physician Division of Hospital Medicine. Author of 250 articles and six books, he coined the term hospitalist in 1996 and is generally considered the father of the hospitalist field, the fastest growing specialty in the history of modern medicine. He is past president of the Society of Hospital Medicine and is the immediate past chair of the American Board of Internal Medicine. In the safety and quality areas, he edits the U.S. government's two leading websites on safety and has written two best-selling books on the subject, including Understanding Patient Safety, whose second edition was published in 2012. In 2004, he received the John M. Eisenberg Award, the nation's top honor in patient safety. And for the past six years, Modern Healthcare Magazine has named him one of the 50 most influential physician executives in the U.S. He has served on the healthcare advisory boards of several companies, including Google. His blog, Wachter's World, is one of the nation's most popular healthcare blogs and one that I read regularly. So with that, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Hospitalists, I want to get right down to it. Let's talk about hospitalists. What is a hospitalist? Did you coin the term or come up with the concept? I didn't come up with the concept. I saw something emerging in the mid-90s where the old model of having your primary care doctor be responsible for overseeing your hospital care was not working very well and was giving way in, in different areas of the country to a new model where a separate generalist doctor took over the role of being in charge of your care in the hospital. And so I wrote an article in 1996 uh, called The Emerging Role of Hospitalists in the American Healthcare System, which coined the term. And I argued that this made some sense and that uh, ultimately the model that provided the best care at the lowest cost should win. Studies came out showing that, in fact, this was a better mousetrap. And from that, uh, it took off. There are now 40,000 of these doctors in the country today. And I I am a believer. I really do believe that as wonderful as it sounds to have your regular doctor, uh, you know, your Marcus Welby, be your doctor in the hospital, it simply doesn't work in today's system. That that doctor is too busy in the office. Uh, The hospital care, the pace is too fast. Things are going on. You really need to understand how to take care of very, very sick patients in the hospital. And I think you need to be an expert in hospital care and be there all the time in order to do that. So having a separate doctor who can really act as the orchestra conductor for you uh, when you're in the hospital, I think makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, and I agree, but I think a lot of people don't realize that they're in the hospital and they're like, where's my primary care physician? Not realizing that there is a hospitalist. And and I think a lot of people still don't know what that is if they haven't had any hospital experience. I think that's right. I think that, that patients should learn about this. I think ideally their primary care doctor tells them about it, so it's not a surprise when they are hospitalized. In my experience, and most of the studies have shown this, that if you ask a patient, what do you think about this idea where a stranger is going to take care of you when you're really, really sick, most normal people would be concerned about that. But when you survey patients after they've been taken care of by a hospitalist, assuming it's a good system, uh, the satisfaction is, is, is as high, if not higher, than it was under the old system. Because you can love your regular doctor, but if your regular doctor sees you at 7 in the morning and leaves and is, no, is nowhere to be seen for the next 12 hours while you're desperately ill and seeing four different specialists and lots of stuff going on, it still is pretty unsatisfying. And I think many people get that and feel like the trade-off of having this new doctor, but someone who's there all the time and is an expert in, in, in hospital care, uh, that's a good trade-off. Now, in some hospitals, do the hospitals change every week, every two weeks, so you do have the potential of not having that same person all the time? Uh, I'd say the, the most common model is that the hospitalists work seven days in a row and then take some time off. In my own system here at the University of California, San Francisco, when we are on the, the, the teaching service, uh, we work 15 days in a row, basically, to try to get at that question. Uh, but there are other services that we provide here where we only work five or six days in a row because we're working 12-hour shifts, and by day six or seven, you know, we are toast. And so you, it's really a, it's a, it's an optimization question is, is I want people to work as many days in a row in pos- as possible in order to maximize the chances that for an individual patient they'll only have one of me during their hospitalization. On the other hand, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want me or my colleagues to be working beyond their burnout zone. And so, yes, there there are going to be transitions. And part of the other challenge is how do we make the handoffs as good as possible? So when I finish my service and hand off to my colleague, I spend about 45 minutes on the phone with them, describing in great detail what's going on with every single one of uh, one of our patients so, so that the ball isn't dropped. And I do the same thing when the patient is leaving the hospital and going back to their primary care doctor. That's something we haven't thought of very much in, in medicine. But any way you cut it, however you organize care, there are, are going to be transitions from the day doctor to the night doctor, from hospital to clinic. Uh, and so we have to figure out how to do handoffs better than we have in the past. So in your opinion, is patient safety looking better or not? I see the amount of energy and passion and, uh, and activities and processes that are being put into it, and I see a lot of victories. Uh, and I, so I really do believe that patients are safer now than they were previously. Uh, the problem is if you ask me to prove it, I would have a hard time. Certainly the pace of change and the pace of improvement is not what it should be, and we have a lot of room to go. And we've also learned how hard this is. Mm-hmm. I, I think when this all started, we believed that, you know, a checklist or two, cleaning your hands, a computer system, we would just fix this thing. And it turns out it is extraordinarily challenging, nuanced. We decided that residents shouldn't work 100 hours a week, as I did during my training, because they fall asleep, uh, either when they're talking to patients or driving home. That sounds like a good move, and yet there's no evidence that care is safer because uh, there are now far more handoffs, and as I mentioned, we're not so good at those. And so, and the computer systems, I think, no question in my mind, they improve care, but they're creating some mischief on their own. So, 
to me, we're going through this sort of transitional phase where we're trying a lot of things. We're learning how to do better. I do think care is safer, but it's nowhere near safe enough. And I know I know when we'll be safe enough when I go to the hospital or a loved one goes to the hospital and it never crosses my mind that they're going to be harmed or killed from an error the way it never crosses my mind when I get an airplane that I'm going to die because of a crash. And we're certainly not not there yet. Right, right. Well, I think, as you mentioned, a small victory. I think one of the victories is the whole idea of the patient experience office within the hospital or the patient experience officer, and you're hearing more and more about the patient experience. In fact, I'm going to be speaking at the Cleveland Clinic's Patient Experience Summit this year. And and so I, I want to know from you, what does the patient experience, what does that mean to you? Do you have a definition that you use? Uh, What it means to me is looking at the patient's experience in care through their eyes, asking them about it, and using those results to modify how we organize care, that it doesn't really matter what we think about how care was, uh, was, was organized or delivered or whether we felt like we were listening well or being empathic. Uh, what matters is, did patients feel that way? Did families feel that way? And I think one of the uh, things that's been really kind of cool to watch is a movement from uh, giving lip service to that area. You know, we, we've been talking about patient-centered care for quite a while, and it's sort of a nice apple pie kind of thing to talk about. But I don't think it was very real until really the last five to seven years where I now believe that organizations are paying a lot of attention to it. Now, part of the reason they're paying a lot of attention to it is not like they woke up one day and and said, wow, this is really important, we should pay attention. What happened uh, is that all of a sudden the patient experience became very important to the the business of the of the healthcare delivery organizations. Patients are being surveyed, and now those results are publicly reported. Now those results influence the payment of the hospitals. Now patients are beginning to look up hospitals and doctors' offices on Yelp. And so it's not like we all of a sudden became more ethical. Uh, you know, we snapped our fingers. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) I think we're getting to the right place, and if we needed to be pushed along in the same way as patient safety. I mean, we paid very little attention to patient safety until the world woke up and recognized that we were killing a jumbo jet worth of patients a day because of medical mistakes and created a set of policies and incentives to drive us to pay attention to it. I think that's, unfortunately, the natural progression of things. We sometimes need a burning platform. But I think we now have it. In, in the patient experience and patient engagement. And to me, it's very exciting because what, it, uh, what, what happens pretty quickly is we begin to realize that maybe in the beginning, you're sort of doing it because you feel like you have to and the, the surveys are going out there. But over time, you realize that, you know, wow, the patients and their families can teach us a tremendous amount about how to provide care in a better way. They are, for the, in the vast majority of cases, absolutely wonderful, supportive partners um, they're, they're terrific people. We learn a lot from it. And so it's, it's sort of, you know, once you get past the us versus them thing, right. begin to sit down at the table and talk to each other, you realize that we actually, you know, we're all human beings. We're all trying to do the same thing. You know, eventually uh, we'll all be patients. We'll have family members who are patients. My mother was hospitalized at my own hospital about four or five months ago, and I sat there as a family member for several days and looked at my own hospital, some place I've, lo- I've worked 20 years. I, I respect deeply. I think it's a terrific place, but I saw glitches in the way we provided care that I never would have seen for a thousand years if I hadn't seen it from uh, through those eyes. So I think those sort of experiences, whether you have them yourself or you just are listening to what patients and families are telling you, are extraordinarily useful. I agree. I agree with that. So I, I've always thought that patients come to a hospital visit with their own set of expectations and their own 
experiences that are going to color that experience at the hospital. And so it's probably difficult for the provider to satisfy all of those random expectations and, and experience levels and literacy levels. Um, is it is it a far stretch to even ask the patient, what would a positive patient experience mean to you so that maybe you could help to satisfy that expectation? I think in our present structure, that's a, that's a tricky thing to do, mainly because of time. Uh-huh. Because patients are only seeing, let's say in the hospital, to take the hospital as an example, the patient may only see me in the room for 10 minutes. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It's a day or 15 minutes a day or if that. And, and so believe that I'm off somewhere, you know, eating bonbons or playing golf or doing whatever I do the rest of my time. In fact, I may be running, truly running from seven in the morning till seven at night, talking to specialists, talking to the primary care doctors, gathering data, going down and looking at x-rays. And so solutions that require the physician to spend another, let's say, five or 10 or 15 minutes per patient times 15 patients, it doesn't compute. So we're going to have to figure out, and that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. It just means we've got to be more clever about it than we have in the past. This may be that the patient is asked about his or her experience and what they hope to get out of the hospitalization, you know, on an iPad when they're checking in to the building and the person is asking who's helping them fill it out as a clerk. Right. But then I get the information in a way that's pretty seamless, and that helps me even before I go in and see them the first time. Mm-hmm. I just think we've got to think through the processes because we are – one of the things I am worried about is that even good, in good organizations with well-meaning doctors and nurses who really want to do the right thing, every time we say, all right, you just, you know, you just need to do this one thing, thing doesn't sound like much, but uh, cumulatively it's, it is overwhelming. And I'm beginning to see where I worry is when I begin to see really good docs, nurses, pharmacists who want to do the right thing who are just saying, you know, my back is breaking, I can't do anything more. There we have to, we don't want to burn them out. So we want to figure out a way of doing the things that need to be done, but doing them smarter. And that may be using technology. It may be leveraging other members of the team to do some things. You know, the doctor doesn't have to be the one that does everything. Right, right. right. 
And actually, the patient should be responsible for part of the experience. What can a patient actually do to help make their hospital experience safer and therefore better? Well, you know, I struggle so much with that question because there is a thread in the patient safety field that says that patients should protect themselves. I absolutely believe that patients should be as engaged in their care as they can possibly be. I'm a big proponent of of having patients be able to see their their charts and their lab results and, and be given as much information as, as, they, as we can and provide a vehicle for them to ask questions and, and raise their concerns. That's all the right thing to do and it will provide better care. Where I sometimes draw the line is, is saying, and I also, you know, for the patient like I was with my mother, who is there and well-informed and really wants to participate in trying to keep their loved ones safe, you know, go at it. But to put that burden on the shoulders of patients or families, some of whom don't welcome it or not in a position where they can handle it, I think is a little risky. And, 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 and there's another risk that's a little more subtle. There was a study that came out about seven or eight years ago where, uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine where the investigators asked patients or families who'd been victims of medical mistakes uh, to talk about it. And a remarkable number of the patients and their family members actually felt guilty that they thought they had done something wrong. And the more we put the burden of patients keeping themselves safe on themselves or their family members, the more likely it is if something goes wrong, they're going to feel like somehow they screwed up. And they didn't. That's, that's you know, so that's a, it's a subtle line here. I, you know, I think there's a way of engaging patients and and, and involving them in their care, but I sort of draw the line in, in, in giving them the responsibility to ensure their own safety. I think that's ours to do. Okay. All right. Well, we could go on for hours, but folks can get a lot of information and answers to their questions, I'm sure, from your blog, Wachter's World. So can you tell us where we can learn more about you and what you have to say? Well, I, I, anything interesting I have to say, I put on the blog, <laughs> and that's uh, that's wachtersworld.org, and I'm also uh, an active tweeter. And so uh, it's Bob underscore Wachter. I have a website. If people search me on Google, W-A-C-H-T-E-R, I'm all over the place. You are all over the place. Do you have any final words of advice for us today? We need to continue to be pushed. I think that, uh, you know, what patients and, 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 and their loved ones should not accept is clinicians and healthcare organizations saying, leave us alone. We got this one uh, because we were left alone for a long time. And I think we came up with care that was not as good as it should be. Personally, I'd rather see a very good doctor working in a spectacular system than a spectacular doctor working in a crummy system. Mm-hmm. And so we got to figure out a way that we create, and we have not only wonderful doctors and nurses, but they also work in systems that support them uh, in delivering terrific care. Well, with you at the helm, I'm sure everything is going to be taken care of. I thank you so much for taking the time to share you with all of us. I am a fan of your work. I own a copy of your book, Understanding Patient Safety. It's sitting right here. And I'm a regular reader of your blog. So today was a special treat, not just for our listeners, but also for me. Oh, thank you so much, Pat. I really enjoyed it. Tired the same old presentations? Can you forward the slide 38, please? Are you looking for a new, out-of-the-box topic for your next event? Want your group to leave inspired, informed, and satisfied? No PowerPoint presentations and dim lights here. No snoring or snoozing goes on during Pat's presentations. To help your entire group, organization, business, or church stay safe during any healthcare or hospital experience, invite Pat to speak. Her presentation formats vary from 15-minute small talks to 30-minute lunch and learns to one-hour events called The Scoop to full days. Pick a topic from her website or request your own. 
visit her website, speakupandstayalive.com, or call Pat to discuss how she can make your next event fun, enlightening, and life-saving. Want testimonials? Go to the bulletin board link at the website for color pictures and comments from real people. Again, it's speakupandstayalive.com or call 440-725-5462. That's 440-725-5462. Listen as I spend the next two minutes with my friend, Dr. Tad Rodiger of Rodiger Chiropractic. He's got ways to keep us safe and out of the hospital. Well, Dr. Rodiger, why is the spine so important to our health? The spine is made up of 24 bones and it protects the spinal cord. And the spinal cord is like the tail of the brain, looks much like a horse's tail. Then if you think of the little hairs coming down and branching up between each different vertebrae, It goes to different parts of the body. So it goes to your fingers and your toes, but also to your heart, your lungs, your stomach, your intestines, your immune system. And if those nerves are being irritated and not working at 100%, then wherever those nerves go, whatever organs those nerves go to, will not work at 100%. And because the nervous system is the major system of the body, everything is controlled by that. We don't have to think about telling our stomach to digest food. But if the message can't get there from the brain to say to the stomach, digest, then certain things don't happen in the body or they don't happen well. And it might result in an upset stomach or reflux or indigestion or heartburn or constipation or diarrhea, just not allowing the body to work as well as it should. A lot of the patients, they notice a change and a lot of times they'll come in and say to me, hey doc, you know, I know you're working on my lower back and no, I don't have constipation. Or I went to the doctor and he said I could cut back my heart medication and the only thing I've changed is coming and getting adjusted. And it's not something that we set out to do because I didn't even know that they had those issues. They just come back and say, oh yeah. I went to the doctor and they said my low blood pressure or my high blood pressure is better and I can decrease my medication. And it's just pretty wild. Vertebrae can get out of alignment and don't have to pinch nerves. It can feel good, but you can still be out of alignment. And that's where I really think that the regular checkups once a month or so helps keep people really functioning at their best. I encourage you to visit Dr. Rodiger for a consultation. Call him for an appointment at 440-285-0756. Dr. Rodiger is located in Chardon, Ohio at the Village Station, 401 South Street, just one half mile south of downtown Chardon off of Route 44. Or you can always call him at 440-285-0576. You're listening to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo. So happy to spend this hour with you to help you survive any health care or hospital encounter. Well, today the boys decided to get back to our roots, and that could only mean one thing. Fear the wheelchair. Oh, <laughs> well, in case you don't remember, here's why our game has such a crazy name. By now, you've probably heard me talk about how I fear the wheelchairs that grace the front doors of almost every hospital. Patients and and visitors get out of their cars and hop into the wheelchair, and I always wonder, where have they been? What have they touched? When was the last time those jeans were washed? Well, then they wheel around the hospital, use the bathroom, sit in waiting rooms, visit patients, all the while picking up additional and deadly hospital bacteria like MRSA, C. diff, a bit of E. coli, and perhaps some candida yeast. And at the end of the day, they're back in their cars, leaving the contaminated wheelchair at the front door of the hospital, ready for the next person to climb aboard. Well, this makes the wheelchair a high-touch, highly contaminated vehicle capable of spreading infections all over the place. So the wheelchair 
is now this show's representation of all hospital dangers, kind of like our mascot. So here we go, the revival of everyone's favorite game show of all time. Fear the wheelchair. Listen as Joe reads some right or wrong statements. Then even though I can't hear you, shout out your answers along with Bob. Is the statement right? (laughs) Or is it wrong? All right, Joe, are you ready? Yes, I am. Finally, Uh, right or wrong, going beyond the ask button means healthcare providers should offer patients a way to learn about hospital hazards and then allow them to speak up without fear. What do you think about that, Bobby? I think that's true because I want to know what the answers are, and so I think that's true. Yes, it is true. That is right. And I'm hoping that some hospitals and healthcare facilities will take advantage of my PEP talks. And that stands for patient engagement programs or patient empowerment programs or patient experience programs, whatever you want to call it. But I believe that by educating patients and then allowing them to use that knowledge without fear, that hospitals can improve their patient satisfaction scores and patients will have a better and safer experience. What do you think of that, Joe? Sounds good to me. You got it. <laughs> uh, right or wrong, the word antibiotic means against life. What do you think about that? Bobby? It's definitely against life. You've heard way too many of my presentations, haven't you? Oh, yeah. I could probably quote them verbatim. <laughs> well, let's not go there. Actually, anti means against. And bios is a Greek prefix that means life. So when you take an antibiotic, it destroys all the bad life and the good life, leaving you at risk. So I suggest to take a probiotic. I take one every day. Do you, Joe? No, but I'm trying to eat more yogurt. Yo, That's right. You eat more yogurt. Yeah. That's good. That's healthy for you. Pro means for. Bios means life. So a probiotic is for life. Joe knows what he's doing. And remember, guys, don't take antibiotics for any reason other than a bacterial infection, right? That's correct. You got it. All right. Good boys. <laughs> <laughs> right or wrong, prior to any and every healthcare encounter, a good question to ask is, will it hurt? <laughs> What do you think, Bob? That's a good question. I think that is a good question. I'd want to know if it hurts, and what I'd like to know all about it. Oh, Bob, that's wrong. Thank you. <laughs> but you know what? It is still a good question. That's a very good question. It really is a good question. <laughs> but if you remember, one of our guests a few weeks ago, well, she gave us some quick one-liner advice to our questions, and she couldn't stress enough that we asked the question, how much is that? Remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. So if all patients ask that question, perhaps the veil of secrecy surrounding medical costs would be lifted. That's a good good, good way of answering it. So first we'll ask how much is that, and then we'll ask if it hurts. And then will it hurt my wallet, right? There you go. That's what... <laughs> The hurt, the, that's where the hurt comes in. That's Joe. where the hurt comes. Your answer was right then, Bob. You're right. All right. <laughs> we need a clap, right, Joe? Uh, sure. Real quick. Yeah. Yay. Bobby was right. <laughs> Any more? Yeah, one more. Uh, Right or wrong? Want to be a good patient? Dig out those words, please and thank you. What do you think, Bobby? I definitely believe that you can get more attention that way if you ask and if you're very sincere about it. Absolutely. That's right. Oh, okay. (laughs) Actually, it's a beginning. I would also suggest that you ask for help. Would you please help me? I know you're busy, but will you help me understand the side effects of this medication? And then say thank you. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for helping my mom. This is some powerful stuff, folks. Don't you guys think? I definitely believe so. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in the hospital for that week, when I kept saying please and thank you, at first they were kind of jumped back and like, what? 
what you're saying, please, and thank you, but it actually did work. Absolutely. See, take advice from Joe. I'd also (laughs) suggest that you be honest about your lifestyle habits, and I hope you work, Joe. I hope you didn't lie about smoking, drinking. (laughs) 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 Docs need to know about that. Another way is to bring a list of questions to help you stand out and let your doctor stay on track and let them know that you have this list. And finally, really, being a good patient isn't all that difficult. It starts with being informed, and it ends with being polite. And by listening to this radio show every week, you are well on your way to be... You knew I was going to get there, right? <laughs> You're well on your way to becoming informed. You want to be an even better patient, guys? Go wow. ahead. And you both should be. Get a copy of my book. <laughs> <laughs> Speak Up and Stay Alive, your hospital survival guide. Not because I wrote it, but because you need it. It's easy to read. It has an in-your-face cover that when taken to the hospital with you and placed on your tray table will cause everyone who comes in to ask what it's all about. This is a silent yet powerful way to let everyone know that you take being informed patient very seriously. Listen, guys, after the show and all you listeners, head over to the website Speak Up and Stay Alive to purchase the book. And if you do not have access to Internet, you can call me and I will take your order over the phone. Lots of people do it that way. The number is 440-725-5462. Well, thank you guys for playing the most requested radio game show of all time. I'm almost certain. Yeah. And it's called? Fear the Wheelchair. Yay. Listeners, <laughs> don't go anywhere. There's so much more you can learn about healthcare and hospital safety on America's favorite show, Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Is your home stressing you out? Are your appliances and gadgets damaging your health? Are you concerned that modern technology could be ruining your and your family's health? Scientific evidence suggests that everyday chronic low-intensity magnetic field exposure poses a possible health risk. Therefore, the conclusion is that magnetic fields remain classified as possibly carcinogenic, meaning they can cause cancer. And what about the radiation levels from wireless computers, routers, cordless phones, baby monitors? I know I've experienced disrupted sleep, grinding teeth, headaches, and waking up tired and didn't know why. Others I know experience hyperactivity, concentration and memory problems, muscle and joint pains, cardiac palpitations, fatigue, irritability, and erratic high blood pressure. And after multiple visits to doctors, still could not get an accurate diagnosis. Finally, I asked myself, could all of these symptoms be caused by invisible hazards? There is a growing body of research that shows that today's ubiquitous technology can be damaging to our health. So I had someone come to my home with highly sensitive measuring devices to measure the levels of electric frequencies, magnetic frequencies, radiation frequencies, and dirty electricity within my home. Oh my, was I ever shocked! Things like cell phones, routers, chargers, power strips, smart meters, dimmer switches, and on and on filled my supposed sanctuary with invisible yet damaging health hazards. Once I removed these hazards from my home, I slowly began to feel better. So I'm suggesting that you too have a healthy home consultation to identify problem areas in your home. The folks at Healthy Home will test the EMF levels in your home using small, specialized equipment focusing particularly on areas of the home where you spend most time. And then we'll make recommendations about how you can reduce your exposure and minimize the effects on your health. The home consultation includes full measurements of electromagnetic fields within every room in your home. 
It takes about an hour, and you will be given a comprehensive report that includes full recommendations on how to reduce the negative impacts of EMFs and turn your home into a healthy, healing, and safe environment. And for a limited time, I'll even come out with them to meet you and help explain the findings. Call me, and I'll pass on the information. 440-725-5462. Don't feel like this. When you can feel like this. Schedule a healthy home consultation today, and I'll come too to meet you and share what I know about healthy homes. Call 440-725-5462. That's 440-725-5462. And remember, a healthy home is a happy home. You're listening to Speak Up and Stay Alive, Patient Safety Radio. I am Pat Rulo, your hostess and author of the book, Speak Up and Stay Alive, The Patient Advocate Hospital Survival Guide, available at all of our live speaking events or at our website, speakupandstayalive.com. And let me remind you, if you are looking for a speaker for your next event, I am happy to share my expertise with your group. We can focus on patient safety and health care and hospital hazards, or any other variations on healthcare, including the effects of smart meters, cell phones, and other technological gizmos. My presentations are always fun, fast-paced, and full of information you will not find anywhere else. Sometimes I even bring a portable microphone and interview audience members to share their stories on this radio program. So contact me, and let's talk about how we can make your next event a memorable and worthwhile experience. Call me at 440-725- 5462 or email speak at speakupandstayalive.com. Include Speak Up and Stay Alive in your 2014 plans. Your audience will thank you. Well, today we discuss drugs that will lose their patent this year, as well as the differences, both good and bad, between brand name medications and generics. Remember to visit the speakupandstayalive.com website, go to the free stuff link, and find the orange book. There you will find all the information you need about specific medications. And our guest, Dr. Robert Wachter, a leader in the fields of patient safety and healthcare quality, who has been quoted in virtually every major newspaper and news magazine, and was gracious enough to spend the time to join us to explain hospitalists and their role. And I encourage you to find his blog called Wachter's World. Now, if you missed some of today's show, it's not too late to hear it all. We make it easy for you. You can go to the radio link at the speakupandstayalive.com website and click the link with today's date. That's where you can also purchase the book, Speak Up and Stay Alive, The Patient Advocate Hospital Survival Guide. And there you'll also find a list of our sponsors, and I like to thank them every week because thanks to them, we are here, and that helps keep you and me safe. We have Schraff and King, attorneys for all of your advanced planning needs in Willoughby Hills, Ohio. Daryl Hicks, consultant and author of the book, Infection Prevention for Dummies. Dr. Tad Rodiger of Rodiger Chiropractic in Chardon. Jack and Bonnie Warren of Comfort Keepers. 
Junction Auto Family in beautiful Chardon, Ohio, and Hari Khalsa, the healthcare whisperer. I really do encourage you to support these fine folks. Let them know that I sent you, and you can find their information at the speakupandstayalive.com website. Oh, and next week, our guest is the author of the book about cell phones, Wi-Fi, smart meters, and their connection to a host of medical maladies. Be sure to tell your friends about this one. She will be giving us some practical solutions to this 21st century problem of electromagnetic and radio frequencies. So I encourage you to come back next Saturday morning where you can find us in Cleveland, Ohio from 7 to 8 Eastern on AM 1420 WHK and from 9 to 10 Eastern on AM 1220 WHKW as well as from 9 to 10 on AM 1440 WHKZ on Saturday mornings in Phoenix, Arizona from 6 to 7 Mountain Time on AM 1360 KPXQ and on Sunday mornings on an additional 22 stations throughout the country. Or you can always listen live via the Internet. Check the speakupandstayalive.com website to find out how. Start your week with an O. Speak Up and Stay Alive, Patient Safety Radio. And until next week, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. I am Pat Rulo, and I am your guide to safe and successful health care and hospital encounters. The information provided in today's broadcast is for informational purposes only and was not intended for use as diagnosis or treatment of a health problem and should not be considered as medical advice. If you've missed part of today's show or just want to share the information with friends, you can listen to all of Pat's previous shows at speakupandstayalive.com. Want even more information? Purchase a copy of Pat's book at speakupandstayalive.com. Once again, it's speakupandstayalive.com. Or you can call Pat at... 440-725-5462. Until next week, remember, it's okay to ask others to wash their hands. You have to speak up and stay alive. Jerry the Germ with a Speak Up and Stay Alive healthcare safety snippet just for you. Here's our expert, Pat Rulo. Hey, Jerry, did you know that people are talking dirty and don't even know it? Think of cell phones and office telephones. Thanks to you, they're covered with thousands of Jerry's just like you. Thousands of people each year miss time from work thanks to all of this dirty talk. Sanitize your phone daily with a disposable disinfecting wipe and clean your hands every so often with soap and water if possible. Talking dirty isn't nice and it's not healthy. Oh, Jerry, now what are you doing on the bottom of that lady's purse? Listen to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. For more information, go to speakupandstayalive.com. Is your home stressing you out? Are your appliances and gadgets damaging your health? Are you concerned that modern technology could be ruining your and your family's health? So I'm suggesting that you have a healthy home consultation to identify problem areas in your home. It takes about an hour and you will be given a comprehensive report that includes full recommendations on how to reduce the negative impacts of electric fields, magnetic fields, and radio frequency fields. Turn your home into a healthy, healing, and safe environment. And for a limited time, 
I'll even come out with them to meet you and help explain the findings. Don't feel like this. When you can feel like this. Schedule a healthy home consultation today and I'll come too to meet you and share what I know about healthy homes. Call 440-725-5462. That's 440-725-5462. And remember, a healthy home is a happy home. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.